After a short hiatus, the Farm Report podcast is back in action, and it's a great time to pick it up. We've got a lot to go through. Uh, futures games coming up. There's a lot of things going on in the Indians minor league system. Some things good, some things not so good, but we are right in the middle of the season in the thick of things right now. Um, Justin Latta, I said this is the Farm Report from Indians Baseball Insider. Uh, Caleb Phillips is joining me again this week. Uh, I think you were on... Caleb, two weeks ago? I can't remember what it was at this point. It's yeah, two weeks every ago. Every day kind of runs together. Yeah, every <laughs> day is starting to run together for me now. And uh, Sorry we missed you guys last week. I uh, had to deal some uh, adult stuff, real fun stuff, moving and all that. But we're back. I'm back in gear. Thankfully, I have people like Caleb who are paying, who's paying attention and um, <laughs> holding down the fort in some areas. Absolutely. Oh. All right. Well, Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, packed two weeks here on this last, you know, 13 games in 13 days for Akron. So that was – obviously I didn't go to all 13, but six of those – six of those seven I was at or actually seven I was at doubleheader. So it's a lot of fun, and uh, they're playing some good baseball right now. Yeah, the roster has been interesting. There's been some changes there. We'll get to that. Um mm-hmm. You know, Lake County's been a little bit up and down. They've had a weird week. Uh, Lynchburg has seen, has seen their share of injuries as well, and they've been struggling with their young team. I would say – I said Lake County was going to be the most interesting team this year. Maybe they have been, but um, I think more unexpected developments this year have happened at Akron more than anywhere else. Yeah. And that's been maybe the fun part about what's going on there. So let's start out with – the first bit of news, uh, Bo Naylor, who, you know, unfortunately his older brother, Josh, had that nasty leg injury a couple weeks ago or last week, really. Um, we'll have to deal with that. But, boy, the same day he found out about his brother's leg, that injury, he finds out he's going to the Futures game. Mm-hmm. Um, probably should let people know. I've seen a lot of this on Twitter. Uh, obviously, Bo Naylor's numbers aren't really good this year offensively, but the Futures game really isn't predicated off of what you know, stats, what guys are doing stats wise and teams have a lot of influence. The league has a lot of influence. It's not really picked by stats like the all-star game, like for the Yankees, Jason Dominguez, who is nicknamed the Martian and is one of the top international signing guys, like the last couple of years played like, I don't know, four or five games before he was selected to the futures game. So stats don't matter at all for this game at all. I mean, there's been some horrible, I shouldn't say horrible, but, because they were good prospects at the time, but there's been some guys who have made that team that ended up not being very good. Right. So, you know, well, it helps. It just, uh, how it works out. Helps that he's at a position that probably doesn't have a lot of a lot of uh, talent. I mean, catchers. I mean, you're, you, they brought on three catchers, and you know, that's that's three out of you know however many catchers there are, as opposed to shortstops and infielders, where there's there's so many on each team that that uh, maybe deserve to be on the roster. So probably a little bit of positional factor as well. Yeah. Position doesn't make a big deal. I mean, the catchers on the, it it used to be, they used to do the futures game where it was international prospects versus, you know, us prospects. And now it's just AL and NL, which I think makes more sense because it can be hard to draw enough on both sides when you do that. Um, But yeah, he's on the same team with Adley Rutschman and I forget who else, but yeah, catchers a sparse position. The weird thing is they have three catchers, and it's only a seven-inning game. So Adley Russian's probably going to start that game. So Bo Naylor is going to wind up catching, like, I don't know, an inning. And who knows if he'll even get that bad at that point. So, uh, But he's there. He's there. What? Let's just talk about his offense for a little bit because obviously it hasn't been mm-hmm. a great year for him. What? We probably talked about the last, last time we, we were on this together, but just, I think he's getting a little bit better offensively. You think for him, just it's he's twenty one. It's an aggressive assignment, and he has the rigors uh, of catching that, that kind of dilutes his offense. But have you seen him kind of pick things up a little bit offensively in the last homestand? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this like last two weeks, his overall numbers didn't end up being great. But there was a stretch of like seven or eight games there where he he really had heated up for a little bit there. But um, yeah, I was able to talk to him. Um, actually yesterday on Sunday and 
he's just talking about there. He's been making some changes and he's, he's feeling that, you know, it's all, it's, it's coming to fruition now, but he said, uh, you know, the biggest thing he's learned this season is how to separate, you know, the struggles offensively from, you know, being a superb defender, you know, behind the plate. And we've seen that a lot this year. He's been, you know, great throwing out runners and he's done well managing games and, and as a backstop as well. So, you know, there's a lot going on for him, but he, yeah, he's one of the younger players in double A. He's 21 years old and he's, yeah, he's in a, uh, he's in a position where he's going to play every day and he's going to have to play through through struggles like, like this. So it's, it's just something that he's going to grow through and, you know, no one needs to be writing, writing him off anytime soon. Yeah. I, I think people should look at his numbers and just, you know, I don't want to say throw him out, but I would say not sit there and worry that, you know, he's going to be a bust. Like he's 21. He's younger than most of the guys at double A, like you said, and especially this year because of COVID. So not worry about that, but he has thrown out. I saw Marco Lanave, who is the, um, Mm-hmm. Rubber Ducks play that play guy. He tweeted, I think he, I think Naylor has thrown out 11 of 30 runners this year, and that's second in the double-A Northeast. So def- defensively, he's been very good this year. And I'm sure you've heard pitchers um, just talk about how good he's been behind the plate for them. I know he, he grew a lot defensively um, in Lake County two years ago, and I'm sure he only got better last year. I mean, catching is one of those things, being, you know, who he is as a prospect, but one of those things you can – improve upon without needing to be in game situation. So I'm sure right. pitchers have had a lot of good things to say about him. Yeah, Zach Plesak was uh was asked about him after his second rehab start and he uh quote said he's he's a stud. So, you know, that's some high praise from from a guy hopefully he'll be able to catch for a couple of years um and maybe in a couple of years himself. So yeah, very well could be. We thought we always thought with Naylor that that would be ahead of the glove and yeah um you know, the aggressive assignment changes things, but maybe the maybe the glove is starting to catch up and the bat will come along. But mm-hmm. um, either way, it, it's a good thing to see. And I think his future is definitely behind the plate. You won't have to move him off the position. Um, other thing, let's see. Petey Halpin uh, it was assigned to Lynchburg, the Indians' fourth-round pick in 2020. He's one of the younger players in that league, just 19 years old. Um, surprised by that given the timing with um, the Amer- American, <laughs> they changed the name, but I'm so confused. <laughs> it's the Arizona complex league, right? Uh, they were just about to start and they sent Petey Halpin to Lynchburg. So I'm kind of surprised by the timing of that, but right. uh, good to see for him. Mm-hmm. And two things that are Akron related that we'll get to real quick before we get mm-hmm. into Columbus, Logan T. Allen promoted Akron. This was long overdue. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see what he does in Akron. Mm-hmm. Where, where, who's, whose innings do you think he's taking up there? Is it just a straight switch for him? With royalty got sent mm-hmm. to Lake County. There are so many guys injured right now. Um, I mean, they've had Zach Draper, who's been starting for a little while now. So I don't think um, you know Rugi will be too upset moving Draper to the pen or into a long relief role. But Mock just hit the IL, McCarthy hit the IL, mm-hmm. and Lingos is still on the IL. So they've. This is something that. They definitely need. I so saw. I think they have Hillman, Tully, and um, Walters help. I mean, Plesak started twice this week. Um, Hillman and Tully piggybacked off him, but Draper got a start as well. Um, so I, they, there's definitely room. He he's going to come in and be probably their best starter. I mean, not to <laughs> not to throw anybody under the bus, but he's he's definitely got the most talent out of their starters in in uh, in AA right now. So he's he's a welcome sight for sure. He might be the most talented Logan Allen in the Indians organization, really. Yeah, as after. we speak, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Logan Allen having another another tough night. He can for grand slam and another run. So Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you swap you swap those two, you might not notice much of a difference as far as who could be worse. But uh, well, um, I was saying what? that <laughs> Cleveland might be an injury uh, another starting pitcher injury away from from Logan Allen, T Allen being the next man on the forty. <laughs> So man, we'll see though. Yeah, yeah. With Plesac, Plesac's going to make his next start in Cleveland. It's not going to be a long start, but they right. clearly are not enamored with what they're seeing from some of their guys. So they're just saying, "Screw it, we'll bring Plesac back for like a sixty pitch start, and then we'll we'll go to the All Star break. He'll stretch out one more time, and then we'll get him back." And they're just like, "Yeah, they're over the stuff they're seeing at the back of the rotation." Um, yeah, Ak- Atkins' rotation really is getting an overhaul. So they're getting Logan T. Allen, and then 
got two guys we've talked about quite a bit um, who are finally healthy as Cody Morris and Adam Scott. These are two guys that the team, the organization really needs to get a look at because they're 2021 Rule 5 eligible. Uh, they've been hurt all year. Both those guys were draft picks a couple of years ago, and both of them are not far off in the majors. So you're getting three new starters down there in Akron, Caleb, like right off the right. bat. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I wonder too. So, different. yeah, the other starter that I failed to mention is Ponticelli, who's actually uh, Thomas Ponticelli, who's actually been pretty strong. So I'm wondering if um, Morris and Scott are going to be more in payback roles to start. But I mean, by you know a couple of weeks, I'll probably be stretched out enough. I mean, which which one uh, had the 13 strikeout or 12 strikeout outing? He threw he threw a lot of pitches in his first outing. Morris, okay, so he's, I mean, looks like they're almost there, ready to be you know, stretched out, but the, the, there'll be some options now, which is what Akron has needed because at times it's been their pitching. That's, that's really gotten them out of game. So it's, it's, it's something that I, I bet Ruggie's pretty happy to have um, becoming his wife. Yeah. Those two guys I thought for sure would start the year there and they both were hurt in spring training. So mm-hmm. good to see them back. And, and that rotation, like you said, Hillman's been good this year. Now you're going to get Logan T. Allen. I mean, Tanner Tolley is is kind of who he is, and he's been pretty yeah. solid for them. And then you get Adam Scott, who was good for Akron a couple of years ago, who really should be in Columbus. Um, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if, if Adam Scott has a couple of good turns through the rotation if they don't bump him to Columbus because right. um, he's already had success in Akron. And, and quite frankly, they need to move him along because, hell, they might need him this year. And like I said, they've got to make decisions on these guys. These are two guys that are – um, potentially rule five guys that, that they might not have in a year from now because uh, teams might take a risk on them. So it's going to be an interesting, I don't want to say second half because they're not splitting up the halves anymore, but we're, we're about at the halfway point of the minor league season. So for sure going to be an interesting second half down there. How about in Columbus, Nolan Jones uh, mm-hmm. in the month of June, 892 OPS. And somebody asked me on Twitter, what is he doing against left-handers? And he has a 653 OPS against left-handers. I wish, I wish they gave us the capability to do splits by month, so I could see what he did in June against yeah. lefties in June. Yeah, so not great, but um, he's definitely improving. And I think it was just a matter of time for him to get hot. By the way, uh, Columbus is kind of a hitter-friendly park. 705 OPS for Jones at home and 874 on the road. So he's not not taking advantage of home cooking. But I still don't see him. Uh, Eddie Rosario came out of the game tonight in Cleveland. I, I still don't see Jones getting the call up anytime soon. Do you? I mean, no. Did they, you know, I was asked by a friend. I went to the Indians game on Saturday and a friend asked me the same question. Is They want to make sure if they get him up, he's going to be playing every day. And, um you know, with the with the OPS against lefties, he might not be ready for that against tough left-handed pitching. So maybe they don't want to expose him to that. But even if Rosario is to go on the IL, I don't know if the at bats would be there for him, and, and they'd be at a position he's not you know extremely familiar with. I don't know if they want to stick him out in left field four to five times a week. I don't know if they feel comfortable right. with him doing that yet. So there's there's a lot of different uh, layers to it, and I think it's just best to keep him down there. Um, until they're 100% sure they can play him at a position he's comfortable at. And, you know, he'll be good enough that he just doesn't horrendously struggle and, and lose confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they would probably able to him, if anything. And really the outfield experiment has not been, been great for him. He has not played well in the outfield by all accounts. So that's still a thing that, that's going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, you hope he gets better. And I think I still think – it's more likely than not he does not make his debut at third base, but it sounds like he has a lot to work on in the outfield. Another guy who's coming on strong is Gabriel Arias, 829 OPS in June. Uh, however, for him this year, he has an 85 OPS at Huntington Park and a 637 OPS on the road. So there's a big gap between AAA and the majors this year, and, and he's hitting the crap out of the ball at home. And that's not to say it's not working. Um, because, again, we can't split these up by month in the minors. So he's had a great June. He might have hit better on the road in June for all we know. But I think it's still encouraging that Gabriel Arias is coming around, uh, coming along very strongly with offense, with the glove being ahead of the bat. Him, he's, he's the same age as Bo Naylor, and he's in Columbus. Yeah. That's yeah. And he and he skipped double-A. He didn't even play in double-A. He went from, from high A to triple-A. I know the – however you want to judge – 
the Altair training site last year. He can, but that's a big jump for a 21 year old. And absolutely, yeah, it's extremely impressive for sure. Yeah, another guy who um, has not really fit the bill this year is Scott Moss, and that's why I think that you could see maybe Adam Scott have a couple of starts in Akron and maybe get the bump to Columbus soon. Scott Moss has not pitched since June 11th. He's not in the IL, but clearly he's still nursing some kind of injury and um, is on the 40-man roster and has not been able to help or get a look in Cleveland. I kind of wonder if uh, he winds up being a 40-man casualty this winter because they haven't had a look at him and they have a lot of guys to add. Maybe they like somebody more than him. And I I didn't think Scott Moss was much of a pitcher anyway, but uh, more of a five, six starter. But with so many guys to add, maybe maybe he gets left off and they they try to go to add somebody else. There's really and, and there's really nobody in Akron. Like it's not like, you know, that's the problem with Columbus right now. Like Kirk McCarty has been great for them. Tristan McKenzie is trying to work through some things down there. Logan and the older Logan Allen really was not ready to come back up to Cleveland because uh he was just getting stretched out again from an injury and, and he has been struggling, but they needed a starter, so they had no choice. And they have, you know, Kevin Hergett down there. They have Heath Fillmeyer. They just added Brad Peacock and Zach Godley, uh, who have not pitched in the majors this year. And it tells you all you need to know about where their pitching is as far as injuries, but also who's ready for the majors. Because there's really, I mean, I guess Tanner Tolley was up there for a minute, but like outside of Juan Hillman, there's really nobody in Akron who you could say, okay, well, this guy goes to Cleveland and this guy goes from Akron to Columbus to take a spot. But that's just... There's really nobody in Akron who they can bump up to, to take those innings, which is why they keep signing, you know, Peacock and, and Godley. There's really nobody else besides Tillman, right? Yeah, I mean, Ponticelli's pitched well, actually. I think his uh, his season ERA is down down uh, under three and a half. Yeah, three three two, but he's not someone I'd expect them to be to be overwhelmed with or anything like that. I mean, he's pitched well against Bowie, but I don't know if he's ready for Triple A just yet. I mean, Bowie might be a triple-A team. <laughs> yeah. They, they've been cold. They've lost their last three series um, to, to Akron now. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's pitched well against them, and, and, but he struggled against, uh, you know, Erie, who obviously is very talented right now with Torvalson and Dingler being promoted there. But he, he's, he's definitely got some interesting stuff. Um, I'd be, I think they're going to let him play it out in, in double-A and see what else he's got because it's just kind of come out of nowhere. He wasn't. You know, obviously one of their original five starters, and now he's kind of stepped up since, you know, since all these injuries have happened. Right. And maybe maybe Hillman eventually deserves a bump. He's pitched well, too. Absolutely, um, yeah. Who knows when that will happen. The other guy who did get the call to Columbus is Alex Call, and I, I'm starting to see a little more buzz on him. Uh, yeah. I know Fangraphs has uh, – he was not on the Indians' Fangraphs board. He was not on our – top prospects list coming into the season, but he is now on the board for fan crafts and he's going to be a guy we're going to have to put a, a profile together on uh, for the midseason update. And he's hitting the ball well there so far. So it, it really seems like Alex call has worked his way into being somewhat of a prospect at this point. Yeah. And he's older. He's, he's 26. He's going to be 27 before the end of the season, I believe. So, you know, time was running out for him for sure. So good, you know, good for him for, for really sticking it out and, and and doing whatever he needed to do over this last year off to to get to this point, um, yeah, and, and giving himself a shot to maybe be on a forty man roster, if not in Cleveland, somewhere else next year. Yeah, it might very well be somewhere else. I don't know if they're going to add him, but um, hey, pro- prospects are not you know development is not linear. Sometimes you get late bloomers, and it, it really looks like he might be. I mean, he might be a fourth outfielder. He might be a fifth outfielder. But he's got enough power, he's got enough speed, and he, you know, he plays the outfield pretty well. That's that's going to get him a look on someone's roster just as an extra body. I mean, he certainly has worked his way into getting a major league look. So, Absolutely. like you said, good for him. All right, let's get to the meat of things in Akron. Um, there's really nobody to talk about offensively there, unfortunately. No one's really hitting the ball well in Akron except for that Oscar Gonzalez guy that no one seems to think is, is any good. So uh. <laughs> I have to caveat though. Uh, Daniel Schneeman has come up and he, uh, you have to check out tomorrow. So 
accurate notebook, but he is definitely one of the who's hot players, maybe player of the week. He was six for 17 this last week with two home runs and a double and six runs bad in him. Just kind of come out of nowhere to, uh, to be a pivotal part in the series. So that was, that was really interesting for him to just come up and, and replace Freeman's offense almost immediately. But yeah, besides him and Gonzalez, um, you know, there's a couple of guys who have put in a little bit, but it's really just been Gonzalez that's been carrying the offense overall. Yeah, I mean Benson's had a had a really nice run as the leadoff hitter. Mm-hmm. I know he had like Absolutely. three games where he had seven hits. I, that seems to suit him well. Let's. I was I was really just joking. I was trying to you know yeah. make it seem like Gonzalez <laughs> well, is not really that good. Comparatively, nobody's hitting near as well as Oscar is. He's just been on another level. Um, he absolutely deserves to be promoted, but we'll see if that happens. Yeah, I I have to say at this point, um, 49, <laughs> 49 games in, I will I will take my um, I will take the egg on my face. He has probably <laughs> been the best hitter in the Indian system this year. I mean, you know, Kenzie Noel got off to a really great start. He's been hurt. Tyler Freeman's hurt. Right now, the best hitter in the minor leagues for the Indians is Oscar Gonzalez. And I bring this up every time. I always say, like, okay, the approach doesn't work. You know, it's a great, he's a very aggressive hitter, but it doesn't maybe matter for every guy. Like, some guys do make that work. And, and yeah, I think at this point, I, I have to consider personally that I have to stop worrying about this guy running a super low walk rate and think that. Even if he's not like a – I don't think he's going to be Fran Mel Reyes, but I think he might be a good major league hitter um, who just doesn't walk a ton. That might be, you know, who he is. But you finally – and I've been waiting for this all year. I've been, <laughs> I've, first of all, I've been waiting for him to cool off, and he's not. So you finally got some meat and bones on yeah, yeah. Um, on why Oscar Gonzalez has taken off this year. So why don't you clue us in on why he is having some success? Yeah, so – a bit of a language barrier with Oscar. He's, he's always happy to, to speak with the media, but his, his English isn't as, isn't, isn't good enough for, for me to really get at what I, you know, what we would want, like what is making him, you know, you know, as good as he is this year. And he's talked a little bit about, you know, just seeing the obviously better stuff like that. But um, I was able to talk to hitting coach junior Patances yesterday. And he, the first thing they mentioned was, was the same thing that Oscar had said, just kind of, recognizing the breaking ball, you know, and making sure that, you know, you're laying off, you know, balls, pitches down, breaking pitches up and stuff like that, pitches up just in general and, and being selective. Well, with that, they, the main mechanical thing they were working on was separation. And what that usually, um, you know, means is that that is separation between the shoulder and the hip. So with more separation between the shoulders and the hip, um, there's, there's just a lot more power that the hitter can create with their swing. And it can also, if, if there's little separation, so in the bad way, batters can also tend to be out in front of pitches. So that's also helped him with his, his pitch recognition and, and staying staying back on um, off-speed pitches. So that's really what Junior uh, Batanzas kind of clued me in on last night, um, talking about Oscar and you know what he's been able to do this year. And, yeah, so that's I think those are some interesting – some interesting notes and, and definitely things to point to for, for why Oscars had, you know, a good season. And, and when a guy like you six four two fifty is, is able to, to be selective and swing at pitches that he can really barrel up, you know, it's going to lead to success. Yeah. He's always had that power in there. I mean, he's okay. So 2018, he hit 13 home runs at Lake County um, and had a, a 292 average with a 310 OBP. And that was over 480 at bats this year. 100, I'm sorry, 480 plate appearances this year. 199 plate appearances. He's already at 13 home runs um, and a 367 OBP, and he's got a 353 batting average on balls in play, which it's high, but it's not you know crazy right. high. I mean, he could probably he hits the ball hard. I mean, I see when you post the exit velocities for his home runs, he hits the ball. Yeah, they're just well slow. over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. I yeah, mean, his, his ISOs are two twenty seventy-one. Yeah, really. His, his singles are smoked too. I mean, everything he hits. I, I mean, he'll get the occasional bleeder, you know. But there is one game when he hit three singles, and they might like. I, I think I mentioned this on a previous pod. He hit three singles, and I think they're the three hardest hit balls in the game, you know. And that's just that's just how he is. He just he's he only swings with his A swing, and it works for him. 
Yeah, and again, a swing for sure. Um, yeah, and he he's in it. Like I said, he's an aggressive player, and and you know he does swing hard, and he he does take you know big hacks. He's not up there trying to hit singles. He's just trying to hit the crap out of the ball, and he does. Uh, and and you know, like we've talked about hitting home runs at Canal Park ain't easy. It's not like no, uh, it's not like Columbus where you have a, a, sh- a couple short porches. Columbus. Akron's the hardest pitcher's park in the Indian system. And that league in general is just a pitcher's league. So, you know, he's not not in the cheapest league. Nine nine eighty nine OPS at home for Oscar Gonzalez and nine forty yeah, on the ridiculous. road. So it doesn't really matter. doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, his power his end, power so. will play anywhere. Um if, if if you guys weren't able to see the home run he hit yesterday, um Go check Akron's Twitter and, and scroll down a little bit. He hit in the first inning. 3-0 count. Rudy gave him the green light. First swing of the day and over the batter's eye in center field, 450 feet. I mean, like, he's hit some balls where I knew were gone off the bat. But that one, it just, I don't know. I, I visibly – or visibly, I verbally let let people know. I was like, <laughs> I, I couldn't even contain it. It was just like – it just amazed me. It was <laughs> – He's just a really good player, and, and uh, hopefully we get to see him in Cleveland someday. Yeah, I, it's going to be an interesting winter to see what happens with him because I, you know, if Cleveland does not protect him, I can't imagine any team doesn't take a chance because of the, the numbers he's putting up in Double A. I can't, I can't see why they wouldn't um, wouldn't give him a look, especially with the dearth of offense in baseball right now. And there's a lot of guys like him out there, but you know, he's a DH. He's not really a you know, obviously, you've seen him play the outfield. Not a guy you'd want you'd want in the outfield, but right. that kind of bat, we're taking the chance on. Absolutely. So yeah, Oscar Gonzalez is killing it. Um, I'm in. I think he was. Look, he was. What do we have in our preseason? We had him pretty low. We had him pretty low. I'm not gonna lie, he was 65th out of 70. Um, that we did in the preseason. I can tell you for sure he will be in the top 40 now and maybe in the top 30. Yeah. Um, that's a big jump. Um, will Benson, mm-hmm. you feel like, I mean, I, maybe, maybe it's just because he's settling in, so who knows if it's, if the timing is, is coincidental, but it sure seems like he has been more consistent as Akron's leadoff hitter. Yeah, no, I, I should have looked up the stats for this. Um, but in his last 15 days, that's about when he moved to the leadoff spot. He's 15 for 38, the 395 uh, batting average, and a, a 468 on base, and a 763 slug. So he is on fire right now, to say the least. And uh, I mean, he's only scored eight runs, driven in nine, so maybe not as much run production from there. But he's obviously getting on base a lot. It might not be leading directly to runs, but he's – He's figuring it out, and uh, back-to-back Sundays he finished one hit short of the cycle. So I mean, he's he's really starting to click, at least in terms of uh, getting base hits. He's he's saw he's been seeing the wet ball well all year, working walks, getting deep in the counts, um, and now and now he's starting to get some hits out of that. So I'm really excited for what he can do. Like you know, he might not hit for the highest average in the world, but. Clearly, he can produce offensively and mm-hmm. plays a good right field. I mean, for the year, a 902 OPS. He's in 245. This this stretch that he's on has in right, the 245. Yeah. Look, 31% strikeout rate. It's going to be high. It is going to be high. But I think he can make it work. He has enough tools to to still provide value at that high strikeout rate. He, I think he can do it. I'm, I'm really excited for the things he can do. And I'm excited for him as a, as a, as a player and a person, because he's just fun to watch and a really great guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's, he's definitely a feast or famine guy. And that's, I mean, you mentioned he's hitting 245 now. He was hitting 215 after Thursday. So he'll get on those many runs. He's uh, three multi-hit games in a row. Now he'll get on those many runs and, and, and really look like the best player on the field at times, honestly. So, um, you just hopefully he can ride those those mini runs a little longer than he has been in the past and uh, and, and put together a good season. I definitely think he could uh, he could get close to 250. And if, if he's sitting around 250 over 120 game pace, I mean he's going to have a, a, a excuse me a, a non base percentage around 400. So that's I mean that's pretty awesome, especially at a leadoff spot. 
Yeah, if you can get a 400 OBP guy, you're definitely a uh, a major league player. I mean, shoot, Bradley Zimmer is up in the majors for the Indians. He's getting on base at a 360 clip, and it's not great. Like, he's not getting a lot of hits, and he's not hitting any power, but he's getting on base 36% of the time, and that's keeping him in the lineup because maybe some injuries. But you can imagine that uh, another team is going to think, well, if the Indians don't want to do it, then we'll try it. And mm-hmm. just love have guys who can get on base. and love guys who can play defense and run the way he does. So, yeah, it's going to be a – Right, and it's going to be – I mean, the guy hits the heck out of the ball. I love watching his home <laughs> runs because I, I – honestly, if I'm sitting in right field, I'd be kind of fearful when he's at the plate because that's just as dangerous as a foul ball behind the plate. Yeah, he smokes the ball just as hard as Oscar yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, a lot of injuries in Akron. So, uh, yeah, can run you through. Tyler there. Freeman, yeah, one, one, one to two weeks – is that right with the quarter zone shot or is it two weeks? Yes. Sure? So that's what Emily Walder reported. And maybe she has a better source than Ruby hasn't been a hundred percent. And he's been awesome giving me updates on guys who've been injured. Um, you know, Kwani said two weeks and it was a lot longer than that. And Cantillo, he yeah. said six to eight weeks. And obviously we haven't heard anything about Cantillo, but um, he's, he actually was more on the uh, negative side. He thinks it's at least two weeks or he, he didn't think he told me at least two, two weeks for Tyler. So, it's going to be a good absence here for Freeman. Um, I'm not sure if he'll be back for the next homestand, but um, yeah, with the shoulder issue that Emily Walden reported, that was confirmed and was in received a quarter zone shot for that. So it was really odd because I saw him in the field warming up. He was dressed in uniform, you know, and wasn't on the IL yet. So that made me think, you know, maybe he's an emergency option, you know, if something goes wrong, but that wasn't the case. Obviously he's on the IL now, so he won't be playing anytime soon. Yeah, really unfortunate. He's off to a good start in Double A, but you know, I think this the the results of the whatever they scanned the shoulder and it was just inflammation, so that's good. Right. Yeah, uh, it was left shoulder strain, and, and they're going to be, and that's what um, go back. To Emily Waldron was was telling me that they're when she talked with Tyler personally, they, you know, they're just going to be careful with him, and and uh, you know, they're gonna they're not going to bring him back unless they're one hundred percent sure he's one hundred percent. So. It could be a little bit. Yeah, he had he had sh- uh, surgery to repair the labrum in that shoulder. Right. Uh, the year he was drafted. So, it, it, and this might not be related, but because that's the same shoulder, they're going to be cautious. And it, like I said, it's unfortunate. And the funny thing is, not really funny because he's hurt, but you know <laughs> he plays he plays one hundred percent. I'm sure you see this. He's he's a guy who who plays very hard. He's kind of a, you know he's like Jason Kipnis. He's kind of a dirt bag. And yeah, absolutely. It, the injury came on a swing. It wasn't like he was diving; like he just tweaked it on a swing. Yeah, it was the first oh. inning, and then he played played the rest of the game. Shocking! <laughs> and was yeah, fine. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about Jose Fermin and Marcos Gonzalez? Who Jose Fermin and Tyler Freeman, best buddies, and they even get hurt together apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emily Walder, she's she was up in, in Cleveland, so I'm going to mention her or in Cleveland in Akron. So she has a good relationship with Jose, and, and she was talking to him. And she was saying to him that I guess they, they're not going to bring Tyler up until Jose is ready, or Jose is not going, or Tyler's not going to go out with Jose. So expect to see those two together whenever one goes to AAA. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's about two weeks. I mean, uh, Rua Sador said. It's day-to-day. It's nothing too crazy. I guess prior to that, um, the word on the press box was that he was dealing with something. And then on that slide into third in the, in the ninth inning on Friday, he he retweeted. He must have injured himself further. So um, trainer Jacob Legan doesn't think it's anything serious. And the team doctors um, don't consider it to be that, that serious as well. So um, he said less than two weeks they'd expect Jose to be back. And then Marcos, who I wasn't even aware was injured. I just assume he wasn't playing on Sunday. I believe he played on Saturday. Um, I wasn't at that game. Maybe he, I know Mike Rivera finished the game at first, so maybe Marcos was hurt himself in that game. But he also is injured. He was not thrown on to the IL though. So, um, but Odor said hope is to have him back and healthy in less than two weeks for him as well. So, so some injuries there, but hopefully they'll be back once Akron gets or back into town in uh, at the end of July here. Boy, a lot of injuries up there, especially to a lot of talented players. Marcos Gonzalez, especially, I feel bad for because um, injuries have been kind of part of his past, and uh, right. he kind of 
left out of the group of middle infielders. Like he was, he was one of the higher profile signings internationally with his group and, and he got a lot of money and he just hasn't been healthy. It's, it's, you know, nobody mentions his name anymore because he's been hurt and, and now he's right. hurt again. That's really unfortunate. And he's, he, he's you know, young too. He's only 21, I believe. Right. He's a younger guy. And, yeah. and what's, what even more is worse for him is that the playing time was really starting to open up at first base for him. Um, Josh Rollett was released this past week, and um, Jonathan Engelman hasn't moved the needle enough for them to feel like he's the everyday guy. So Marcus is going to get some chances over there, and obviously now that won't that won't be the case. So, well, half a season left, so hopefully he comes back and he's ready to go. Uh, it seems like Richie Palacios has been playing a lot more second base mm-hmm. again. Is that just with injuries, or maybe that started when Stephen Kwan came back? Yeah, I mean, I think those just kind of happened at the same time. Just a lot of infielders getting hurt, and then Quan came back. Um, to me, Quan's taking the time in the outfield that Alex Call had. So really, there isn't any like well, like Chris Roller's getting more at bats than he did when Call was with the team. Um, but I'd assume Palacios is going to get time out there, and that was what Ruby told me the plan was originally. Um, even with Quan back and, and with Call still there, before Call got promoted, they were still going to work him out there. But yeah, I mean, right now there's even with with Freeman now up, Ike Freeman, who was uh, who was brought up for that uh, to replace Fermin. Um, I think there was a move that that was made there. There's still, I think, Schneeman, um, Palacios, Freeman, and I'm probably missing somebody else. Those might be the only healthy guys at, at the. Uh, Oh, Monasterio, Monasterio. So, so those are the only yeah. four healthy infielders at the moment. So they're, they're, I, they're, I doubt they're going to move him around until they start to get um, some health back there. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more on that later in the show. Uh, Alex Royalty is down in Lake County because of Logan Allen being up. You think Royalty deserved uh, a demotion or just a number, you know, getting Allen up there? I mean, I'm not really sure what the deal is. Yeah, I mean, there. Royalty – Royalty wasn't doing, you know, anything, anything crazy in nine starts. He had a 495 ERA. I mean, if you're, if you're comparing guys, obviously Allen's the better player, you know? So um, it just kind of depends on, I guess, what they, they expect from royalty in the future. Um, and if they're really trying to, to move Allen aggressively, maybe the plan is they want Allen in AAA by the beginning of next year. And then they're going to really try and, and move him up the system aggressively. I know that was something you guys had talked about even after he was drafted, you know, Allen's going to be someone that moves through the system quick. So um, maybe they're just, you know, not worried about, um, you know, that at the expense of someone like royalty. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. How about Nick Henright so far? You said he's up to 94. Uh, mm-hmm. My looks at him in, Ac- in Lake County, he was about 90, 92. Uh, good stuff though. I mean, he has, like you said, he has that change yeah. profile. Yeah, he had, but he had 32 strikeouts and three walks in 18 innings at Lake County. So, obviously, a very deserved promotion. Absolutely, yeah. He's been he's been lights out. Um, just gave up his first run since May 12th, I believe, last on Sunday. So he's he was on a great stretch. And yeah, I I told you that I I look at him as a, a James Krinjak light. Just he throw doesn't throw as hard, but same type of profile. I had a good conversation with him, and he really tries to work that upper upper tier of the strike zone with the fastball and, uh, you know, with the curveball slash slider, um, you know, working that down off of that, off of that same arm slot. So it's obviously been really effective for him. And it's kind of wild when you see a guy like that. I mean, he, like I said, he's like, you said, I like said, he's been up to 94, but he's really, you know, he's 92, 93. It's nothing. It's not stuff that's going to blow guys away and, and it's working for him really well. And he, it's not like, Oh, he's forcing ground outs. No, he's getting strikeouts in a lot of them. So, it's really impressive. I, I guess the fastball, fastball soon spins pretty well at the top of the zone with that arm slot and uh, can really can really get by hitters. Yeah, whatever it is, it's working. He's a little bit older, but a big dude. But yeah, I'm I'm curious that he and made it up there already. I'm not surprised he made it up there, but uh, definitely says something about him. That's going to be a fun back end of the bullpen in Akron with him and Nick Mikolajek. Uh Fortunately, uh, unfortunately, I should say. Aaron Pinto's on the aisle. He was having a really good year. You think he'll be back soon? Um, I haven't heard anything on Pinto. Just with, you know, the 40 guys that I feel like got injured in the last week. I, yeah. 
I really, I really should have wrote them all down. It's been tough to, you know, I hate asking Rugi just about injury updates, but um, he was definitely one I missed. Him and Lengos, I haven't heard anything on recently, but um, yeah, I assume, I assume it's not going to be anything too long. I might have gotten something for him a couple of days ago, but uh, there's just been so many injuries. I mean, you know, everyone's looking at Cleveland; they're getting a lot of guys hurt. It, it's just throughout the system, guys are getting hurt. It's it's just been a tough year. You know, that could be a product of 2020 being an off year, or it just could be bad luck. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me that guys are didn't play last year, and now we're getting into the you know the territory of fifty or sixty games, and um, guys are just going down because they didn't play last year, and their body wasn't. I'd say they weren't ready, but you know it takes a lot of repetition to play a hundred something games. You know, almost every single night you're playing, and it's not easy to do with with taking a year off from that. And there's nothing you can do to to simulate that. Uh, you already mentioned Mock and, and McCarthy and Lingos. Um, mm-hmm. Anything stick out to you from the playsack games? I know Matt might have been in a few of those, but anything stick out to you from playsack being down there? Oh, yeah, I didn't actually get to see playsack, unfortunately. Of course, I got okay. to see on uh, on Saturday, I got to see Eli Morgan in person in Cleveland instead of playsack and Akron. I might have made the wrong decision there, but um, – <laughs> Yeah, from what I heard, he looked he looked good. I know Matt said on Tuesday that really the pitch mix looked fine for him. You know, he made some mistakes in the zone. You know, there wasn't really – he was up to 96. Everything looked sharp. Just made some mistakes in the middle of the zone, you know. So – and that's obviously something that has bit him this season. So it doesn't it didn't look like anything was, was too concerning for him, at least in that first start. And obviously he did a lot better on Saturday, so – Yep, he's going to be back in Cleveland making a start um, before the end of the All Star before the All Star break. Only going to be sixty pitches, but clearly Cleveland wanted to use him over Logan Allen or Sam Henches. I don't know. We'll see. All right, anything else in Akron before we move on? Did I miss anything? I know you mentioned uh, Daniel Schneeman a little bit. Schneeman. Um, well, we did talk about um, Fermin in terms of injury, but he was actually getting on. A little bit of run there. I, I mentioned the last 15 days for um, for Benson, but for Mean was 11 for 36 with a walk and a hit by pitch. So he was 306, 375 in his last um, in his last 15 days. So he was starting to feel it a little bit offensively, which was good with the injuries. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, just on a big triple for them that ended up tying the game um, for them and, and won them the game. Really got them into extras. And then it was with hurt himself, but he was on, he was starting to figure it out a little bit offensively. He's been getting on base all year. Just the average hadn't been there, but it was starting to come up. Yeah. I'm bummed, I'm bummed for me. I really like him, but hopefully, like you said, not too long, he'll get over it soon. Right. And um, who knows? He and Freeman might both come off the aisle at the same time. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go to Lake County. Brian Lavastida, uh really looking good. He has got an 825 OPS for the year, um, getting over 300, catching great. I mean, he's, he's doing a great job behind the plate. Throwing runners out has been kind of an issue for him, but really a lot of that has to do, I don't want to say a lot, but the the rule in, in high A this year is that the pitcher has to completely disengage with the rubber. You can't just step off and throw. The, the pitcher has to come off the rubber completely before he can throw to first base. So that's giving runners, uh, you know, a big heads up, a big leg up when they want to steal a base. So Lavasita has had a harder time throwing runners out this year, not for, you know, issues mechanically or because he can't, but, um, you know, you played college ball. Just imagine how how much easier would it have been as a runner to take a base knowing that the pick – for watching the guy's pickoff move, that uh, he has to come off the rubber completely. And as a pitcher – uh, that can't be fun either. No, yeah, and I mean, I was more worried about just not getting picked off at first base, being a <laughs> middle of the order guy. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that would get that gives guys an advantage, and it definitely makes it tougher on the catchers for sure. That's that's an interesting little note I, I wasn't aware of. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those rules they're they're experimenting experimenting with, and uh, there has been a lot of stolen bases at high A. I, I, uh, I have to look to see who has a ton of them, but there's a guy who was in the Oakland system who had like 30 stolen bases already. And, you know, we've played like 50, 60 games and he already has 30 steals. So 
Yeah. It's just guys can run at will because they know that the guy has to completely disengage with the rubber before he's throwing over. So you're, you're, it's not hard to look to see when the guy is, is, is throwing over because you know what to look for. Right. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to see more, more running, you know, it makes the game a little bit more fun, but man, as a catcher, you almost have no chance to, to throw somebody out uh, when that happens. So mm-hmm. good thing. Good thing for a lot of speed is it is back is really coming along and he was already kind of a bad, had a glove catcher anyway, but, um, this is a really good performance for him. Guys have just been hot and cold in Lake County. They've had a few good hits here and there, and that's a product of um, a lot of young players. George Valera, 957 OPS in June. He's finally starting to play back-to-back games. He has played pretty much every game since July 1st. Savion um, Curry it, it continues to pitch well. I would guess that Alex Royalty is going to be the guy who steps into Logan Allen's spot in Lake County. We talked about him being bumped down. Kind of unfortunate for him. He's already pitched in Lake County. He wasn't terrible in 2019 there, but um, obviously, like you said, Caleb a- Allen probably takes priority if he's ready to be there. So right, exactly. And then uh, Burns and Hickman have been really good. One thing I noted this week and it's been fun to watch is that it hasn't really played out in the results a lot, and this is why you can't scout the stat line. And I'm sure this is something you're learning too. I'm sure you already knew this, mm-hmm. but something you're learning too is that so. Tanner Burns' ERA is like in the mid threes. It's not, you know, anything special considering he's a co- advanced college pitcher and he's in high A. Um, but one thing that they talked about is that he's trying to throw more change-ups, more sliders, anything that's not a fastball and a fastball count. So he gets a 2-0. He's trying to throw the rest of his stuff. And he gets to 0-2. He's trying to do the same thing. He's trying to be – trying to throw any of his pitches in any count, really. Like if it's 3-0, 0-2, 2-0, trying to be able to throw – any pitch that he has in his arsenal in those counts to be unpredictable. And sometimes it burns him. Sometimes no pun intended. Sometimes it, it doesn't. Sometimes it works out, but he's got a lot of strikeouts. He's done well. It's just as it's hit him at times. His ERA is kind of high. So one of those things that, you know, you just can't look at the stat line that's playing out for him and Mason Hickman both. I would imagine you'll see Tanner Burns, before the end of the year in Akron, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I mean, who knows? They just they they just got almost a brand new rotation, uh, right? This yeah. week, so maybe. Jerson <laughs> uh, Ramirez is in Lake County now. He was the closer for Lynchburg. Um, he was pretty good for Lynchburg. He had like nine or ten straight outings without a hit allowed or a run allowed um, in Lynchburg. So that's really good. And Raymond Burgos will join the captain's bullpen when he comes back. He was a starter. Now he's going to go to the bullpen. Just a lot of injuries in his elbow in his career, and they're going to try to just move him along as a reliever. Um, let's see what else here. Gainer Diaz hitting 330. He's having a great season in Lynchburg. Um, kind of been their best hitter at this point, just considering that Micah Preeze and Jan Kenzie Noel have been hurt. Gabriel Rodriguez has been better lately. He was one of those more high-profile Middle infielders, he's kind of struggled. Um, Micah Preeze had come back at late, late uh, mid June, but he has now not played since June twenty second. So obviously hurt again. Jonathan Rodriguez finally came off the IL. Liam Jenkins was added to the roster. He's been up to ninety nine. Uh, he's a, a six foot six reliever who doesn't always know where the ball is going, but it gets in there hard. And I feel bad for hitters in that league because. Not a lot of guys in that league throw 99, and Lynchburg has <laughs> Jenkins and Daniel Spina, who both throw 100 miles an hour, and one of those guys doesn't really know where the ball's going. How would you feel? You're in the you're in the box, and, you know, this guy throws 99. You're like, I don't think this guy knows if he's throwing it down the middle or above my head. Like, that's that's got to be an uneasy feeling, especially as a 19-year-old oh, yeah. kid. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like I extremely similar situation in Division Three. There was a left – I mean – in Division Three, you never see guys throw over 90. So this lefty was throwing 91, 92, just had absolutely no clue where the ball's going. And our left-handed batters were just terrified of the batter's box. Um, he, he hit our leadoff hitter in the head to start the game. Like, it, not really, like, Ooh. square, but grazed the helmet. So for the rest of the game, our left-handed hitters were just just not okay with, with being up there. And, yeah, so it's definitely, like, the same thing. It's just on another level because uh, – 100 mile an hour, you, you have a little less reaction time than, than 90, 92. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so hopefully Liam Jenkins finds some control before he kills somebody. Not, you know, I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm referencing the movie. I'm not saying for sure, but I mean, just I hope the kid has some control. He's a, a Louisville product. Daniel Spino last week struck out a career high 13, but allowed six earned runs. But uh, I was really hoping he would be the guy to replace Logan Allen in, in, in Lake County and ends up being Alex Royalty. And not that I dislike Royalty, but, you know, Daniel Spino would have been um, really fun to see in Lake County. Yeah. Uh, Lenny Torres, five no-hit innings last week. Best start of his career. Good to see from him. And then uh, hopefully next week some point, um, it's going to be a busy two weeks, to be honest with you, and I'll get to why in a second. But uh, the ACL Indians uh, started last week. That's the Arizona Complex League. I'll have Joe on sometime soon to talk about that. Isaiah Green, Carson Tucker, Milan Tolentino are on that roster. Junior San Quentin, who was signed as a shortstop, has been playing first base for them. And Jordan Brown, who was drafted as a shortstop third baseman, has been playing a lot of outfield. So uh, that whole versatility thing is, is you know, from Nolan Jones down to Jordan Brown in the in Arizona. They are getting guys all over the field. Um, we'll have Joe and talk about that probably next week. Let's get to some questions before we get to players of the week so we can uh, wrap this thing up. We're doing pretty good on time for the first time ever. Uh, thanks, Caleb. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Yeah, the timekeeper. RDP wants to know, um, do you think Palacios is a real shot at sticking in the outfield? What do you think, Caleb? Um, yeah, I do think so. And my main reasoning would just be this the the large amount of middle infield talent that's that's on this roster, you know. So if he's ever gonna have a shot playing with the Indians, it's gonna be in the outfield probably. Um, you know, Freeman's probably the second baseman of the future. Um, someone like Arias Jimenez is probably the shortstop, so that would move Palacios into NC outfield. And I think if he, if he's able to, to keep similar numbers to what he's doing in double a in the big leagues, you know, around 280 average, you know, a hundred points higher with his on base. He, he's definitely someone that can, uh, can stick in the outfield for sure. You think his arm completely relegates him to center or left? Yeah, it's going to keep him in left field. I think left field's where he, he, he profiles, especially in Cleveland. He'll do, He'll do fine, you know, with the uh, the wall helping him out. You know, nothing really uh, too much over his head. He'll be able to to get the just be able to get the ball and hit the cuts totally fine. And he was talking about that when I interviewed him for the for the feature that he's had no issues. It was actually his throwing arm with the with the that he had a torn labrum with, and he's had no issues there. But yeah, it's it's not a uh, not a right fielder's arm for sure. Yeah, RDP also asked how's Nolan Jones doing against right-handers and left-handers. Is it looking like he can platoon before platooning? Uh, we did say he had a 653 OPS against left-handers, so uh, not great. I do think that there's a very good chance he's going to platoon long-term. Um, if I had to guess, whenever he does come up, and I, I don't think he's going to come up this year, but if I had to guess whenever he does debut that they will probably be very careful about matchups against lefties for him, and they might give him a few starts against lefties, but overall they'll probably set him against tough ones just to keep his confidence up early on. And they might loosen the the, the reins a little bit if he does well. But I, I would say long-term, there's probably a good chance he may. And maybe he walks enough to be good against lefties where he can start. You know, Jim Tomey wasn't great against lefties during his career. And he hit lower in the lineup as his career went on, or early in his career against lefties. So maybe that's what happens with, uh, with Nolan Jones. <sighs> Let's see. Real Jay Goodberry. What are they waiting for before promoting Oscar Gonzalez to Columbus? Maybe they just listen to me too much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the issue there is just it's just not they're not going to have the playing time for him. Um, you know, we were we were debating within the Akron press box circle who would go up if it was Call or Gonzalez, and I I initially thought Call just because of the age. I mean, twenty six. No reason to keep him down in double A uh, if he's performing. And then Oscar being a bit younger, they probably want to get a little more time there, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't know if the playing time is there for him in Columbus. I mean, uh, calls every day there. Um, Jones has been working in the outfield. Obviously, Johnson's still down there, you know. And so there's there's not literally a ton of room. And obviously, you could go up there and he would play over over some guys, you know, over someone like Colin Maribel or something like that. Um, but – yeah, I just don't know if there's enough room. and Why not like, just keeping him double A, let him continue su- to succeed and play him every day? 
Yeah, I agree with that. I would say, you know, we did see Eddie Rosario exit the game playing Cleveland Monday night with that uh, abdominal issue. That's right. Yeah. Time it's happened to him. If if Rosario has to miss any time, I would think that I would guess they'd go to Daniel Johnson. Who knows what they would really do? I'm so confused this year, to be honest. But um, if Johnson were to go up to Cleveland to take Rosario or to take uh, Eddie Rosario's spot, that would leave an opening in, in Columbus for. For Oscar Gonzalez, and like you said, they're not going to sit him over. I mean, Connor Maribel has been a good soldier for them, but mm-hmm. um, he would obviously play above him. And it's uh, Trent Brooks is in mostly first base for them. So, yeah, if, if, uh, that might force a promotion for him, and who knows, it could take off. Um, let's see. Seattle BB said, as to know, prospects are not a surefire thing. Would you consider. Big deals, one headline by Jones and Hankins, another by Freeman and Espino to land Cedric Mullins from Baltimore and Reynolds from Pittsburgh. I know we might have to throw in more prospects, but getting established hitters with control. Uh, Caleb, what do you think? Jones and Hankins or Freeman and Espino for either Cedric Mullins or Brian Reynolds? Do you think that's a a good start? Is that an overpay? I mean – I mean, watching Freeman and listening to everything I've heard about Espino, Jones and Hankins. I don't know. I mean, that might be for Mullins. I think I'd like that better. I think obviously Mullins, you know, a little recency bias is the guy I might prefer, but it does seem like a lot. I mean, Freeman, number two guy in your system and your number one guy in your system for a, a breakout candidate and someone with Reynolds who's, who, who struggled in, in last year in 2020 that, it does seem like a little too much. I don't know. Those pitchers might be might be guys that I definitely could see in a deal for those guys, but um, those hitters might be a little much for me. Just also just because of the issues Cleveland has had with you know developing hitters in their system. If you have guys that you know are going to hit, I would want them to hold on to them. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I would not hesitate to throw in Hankins. Um, mm-hmm. I like Hankins a lot as a pitcher. I think he has a chance to be a frontline starter, but he did just have Tommy John. So I don't even know if a lot of teams would consider him um, even a good enough second piece in a trade. So I'm on the other side. I actually kind of like Brian Reynolds better than Cedric Mullins. And I, yeah, if I had to pick one of those deals, yeah, if I had to pick one of those deals, I would probably pick, I'd probably pick Jones and Hankins for Reynolds over mm-hmm. Freeman and Espino. I Espino's healthy. I really believe in in Espino right now as a starter. The work ethic is there. The routines are there. The flexibility is there. The athleticism's there. And I think Freeman is going. There's a reason we took Freeman as a number one prospect over Jones at IBI, and they're pretty close. And I, I think Jones mm-hmm. is going to be a good offensive player. But I'm with you. I think. Uh, if I was going to do one of those deals, I would say Jones and Hankins. But like I said, I, I coming off of Tommy John, I don't know if uh, if teams are going to consider Hankins. But I don't think either of those teams are trading either of those guys this year. But uh, if the Indians are going to do something in the trading deadline, that <clears throat> is the way I think they go. They try to get a center fielder, and they move some of these guys that are on the 40 or that might have to be on the 40 soon. Right. Last question is James Salfie, uh wants to know if Lenny Torres is still a viable prospect. Yes, he is still a viable prospect. We had him ranked um, 18 coming into the season. He had five no hittings this, this past week. Uh, I would say for Lenny Torres, just a matter of getting innings this year. He missed a year. Everybody missed a year with COVID, and then he missed 2018 with uh, 2019 with Tommy John. So, Still plenty Just of time. 20 years old, too. Yeah, right. Super young. There's no reason to to worry about him as a prospect at all. He Especially, he's been getting better as the season has gone on. So, uh, you don't give up that soon on former first-round picks. Last week's – okay, so player of the week standing. So, because we had a week hiatus, um, we didn't have last week's picks. Jacob was on the last time with me. I had Mike Caprice and Hunter Gaddis. Uh, Gaddis had one bad start, one good start, and Micah Priest is hurt again. So, great picks <laughs> by me, as usual. Uh, Kirk Bacardi had a really good start last time out. It was a career best start for him. And Nolan Jones is red hot. So, I went ahead and gave the Jacob because I had one guy hurt, <laughs> and the other guy had a stinker and a good start. So, uh, Jacob's yeah, on the board with one. With 
<laughs> yeah, I think that was the, the right way to go for sure. Um, so uh, I'm at four, and the rest of you guys are up to three now. So that's good. It's a it's a pretty Looks close like I'll be race. It up. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll be tying it up this week. I uh, I broke down. I I am on the I am on the Oscar <laughs> Gonzalez train. I took Oscar Gonzalez well, and Lenny Torres Jr. The only reason yeah, he that's... was good he was because Justin Lada didn't believe in him, and now you believe in him, and he just won't hit anymore. He can take it easy now. He's he has earned my my seal of approval, so now he doesn't have to worry. And um, <laughs> he's going to call it a career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Caleb, who you got this week? Who is your player of the weeks? Players of uh, the week. Now that you know. My guy Logan Tion is up with Akron. I got to take him again. Um, that's what we want to see. I mean, technically, I don't know when he'll be starting this week. Probably only get one start, um, but I imagine he he gets a start here against Altoona in Altoona this week. And then I'm going to stick with uh, Nolan Jones, who who got to help get the win for Jacob and was just red hot, you know, this this uh, this past couple weeks. So I'm going to stick with him. I think he's going to have a good week in Indianapolis. Yeah, Indianapolis, uh, not a great roster. Admittedly, I did not look hard at the standings. I will say I error out of the schedule this week. I didn't look to see who Akron was playing. I looked to see at Lynchburg because Lynchburg's playing Fredericksburg, and they've beaten the crap out of Fredericksburg this year. So that's why yeah. I took Torres, but I did not see who Akron was playing. Yeah, they're they're in Altoona. Altoona is a game and a half back of Akron right now. So they've been all right this year. That could be a tough one. Yeah, that could be a tough one uh, for – for Oscar. Great. So I pick Oscar and he's going to have his fourth week of the year probably. <laughs> sorry, Oscar. Well, I'm, I'm so sorry. Altoona, Altoona's pitching is not going to be any better than, than what they saw from Bowie and uh, Erie these past two weeks. So, Yeah, I wonder I wonder how Altoona plays as a ballpark. I don't really know much about that ballpark. Have you been there? No, I don't even know where it is to be <laughs> honest with you. It's in the middle of nowhere, PA. I've been... I've been through there, not the ballpark, but I've been to the city before. So okay. uh, it's yeah, definitely no. a minor league city for sure. <laughs> I hadn't heard um, of it, honestly, until <laughs> until uh, I heard of the curve. So. Oh, man. Yeah, Altoona's uh, – there's a great breakfast spot out there. That's all I can tell you. I've been, okay. I've been to Altoona for breakfast. So if you're ever in the area, it's, it's, probably, <laughs> yeah, it's probably the only diner for the in the area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah on the way back to New York or something. <laughs> All right. A uh, lot of draft content. So if you're still listening, it means you love IBI and you love minor league baseball and you love the draft. So uh, it's sometime, I think Thursday night this week, I'm going to have Willie on for a draft podcast uh, because the draft is coming up on Sunday and it's through, it's through Tuesday of next week. So that's exciting. So stay tuned for a ton, ton of draft content coming up. Um, Caleb, you've got the Akron notebook tomorrow, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I'm, I'm cooking up a bone nailer feature that should be out if not this weekend, next weekend. So yeah, be on look out for that. The, uh, Richie Palacios feature was fantastic. So if you like that, definitely stick around for the bone nailer feature, ton of draft content. The captains are out of town this week. So I'll be just full time into the draft after this. Um, we'll get back to more minor league stuff after that. Um, we'll have a round of ACL content. They're going to really mess me up with that, man. It's the Arizona Complex League. It's the the torn ACL League is is what I hope not to call it. Yeah, It makes me think of – what is that movie? Was it – who was the guy in the movie? They were making fun of Friday Night Lights. It was one of those spoof movies, and he was like – he was running back, and the coach uh, kept calling him – ACL tear. It's a seal tear, sir. I've never, I've never seen it. (laughs) Yeah. Probably before my time, Justin, probably before my time. I keep, I keep forgetting everybody at IBI is just, you know, years younger than me at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the age of all the players. So that you're so much older than now. Yeah. Yeah. So much older. (laughs) Damn. Okay. On that note, we've talked enough. Um, Yeah. Sign up for a subscription at IBI. Four ninety nine a month. A lot of the draft content is going to be behind the paywall. So if you uh, if you are into draft content, now is the time to sign up. 
Uh, and now it's time to follow Willie Hood. Always a time to follow Caleb Phillips at Caleb Phillips. That's one L in Phillips. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, I don't know who Caleb Phillips the two L's is, but don't follow that guy. No, uh, it's don't. Caleb Phillips eight. <laughs> yeah, yes. Don't follow that guy. One L. Who knows what he tweets about? Mm-hmm. All right. Nothing well, good. Thank- <laughs> I'm sure it's nothing as good as uh, tormenting me with Oscar Gonzalez highlights and uh, features <laughs> on Bone Nailer every, every night. Every night. <laughs> All right. Well, Caleb, thanks for thanks for doing this again. Anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? Oh man, no, just Bo uh, Naylor. Yeah, Bo Naylor feature should be out soon, and then we'll be in Akron. Ooh, I think July twentieth or twenty first. We'll be back in Akron. So got a little break here, but uh, still be some content. We've got some notebooks and some features in the works. So yeah, and a, a lot of stuff going on still, and. and... Like I said, the feature, I'll be in Akron now, July 24th. So I'm looking forward to seeing them for the first time this year in person. Uh, shout out to um, our buddy, Matt, Matthew Cannell. Uh, still sort of with IBI, but he was, uh, you know, your your cohort in Akron. He has taken a job with a, a school in Indiana as a, a SID. So best of luck to him and happy trails. Uh, if you read his Absolutely. stuff, we appreciate his contributions um, to IBI. That's all I got. Thanks for listening this far, and we are going to hit you with a ton more content. So be sure to stay tuned and and stay subscribed.